Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Hello, hello. It's another Friday, and we are here to infotain you. We hope you're having an amazing entry into spring. We are so glad that Puxatawney Phil is giving us an early spring. Matthew, how are you doing today? <laughs> well, that's good news. Um, no, I'm doing great. Happy Friday, everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm so excited about today's uh, show. We have another amazing guest. Uh, getting to know uh, Steve Luce over the last few months, um, and especially over the last couple weeks, what an amazing man, um, leader, and uh, director of some of our top uh, law enforcement experts there in this good old state of Indiana. So looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it sounds like you're a little biased, too. I wonder why. <laughs> well, it's funny how it comes full circle, you know. How life just, well, I don't uh, know. Does everybody like know that. you're from Indiana? Well, I think if they listen to the last show, they probably do. You're making a big assumption here because we have a growing audience. We are now up to over 20,000 on-demand listeners, and we are so excited uh, having been on the air just for a short period of time. So we thank all of all of you who we love for listening to us and inviting us into your space wherever you are in this world. And, uh, you know, we, we do... We do really care about you, and our number one goal in doing these podcasts is to bring you information and support for whatever it is you may need. And we want to thank our sponsors who help us do that as well, and that would be the National Command and Staff College, and we have a whole new curriculum that is blasting out. I cannot believe that we just celebrated 11 million hours of training over the last 14 years, no kidding, with an average 98% satisfaction rate. That is unheard of in the industry, and I'm so proud of that. Thank you, National Command and Staff College, and for allowing us to be a part of your amazing community. And also a shout-out here to MagnusWorks.com. And we are very, very blessed to be among the experts that contribute to MagnusWorks.com, which is your resilience and well-being app. So let me get into today's show. Matthew, anything else you want to share about your life in Indiana before we get started? I don't want to embarrass Steve. <laughs> no, I tell you, um, you know, I'm just going to turn it over to Steve here. Uh, just what an amazing career that you've had, Steve. And uh, I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about uh, with the audience yep. on what you're milestones were. Yeah, um, let me give you a little intro on Steve, because he's a very humble man, and I doubt he'll say two words about himself, uh, other than telling you that uh, he's here for all of you. So in February of 2009, Steve Luce, Stephen Luce, has served as the executive director for the Indiana Sheriff's Association. As the executive director, he administers all affairs of the association, including the following statewide training for all sheriffs and their employees, legislation, fundraising, annual membership drive, and he acts 
as a liaison for the sheriffs in communicating to state offices, and he organizes and supervises research and educational programs for the association. And we are delighted that he has welcomed Matthew and I into his organization. In 1985, Steve began his career in the Knox County Work Release Program as a supervisor of the Work Release Program. And in 1990, he was hired on to the Vincennes Police Department as a patrolman, working much of his time as a school liaison officer. In 1997, he was appointed as a deputy with the Knox County Sheriff's Office. He was elected as the sheriff in Knox County in 2002 and again in 2006. And during his term as the county sheriff in Knox, Steve served on the board of directors for the Indiana Sheriff's Association. And in 2007, he was appointed president. In 2007, he was also appointed by the Indiana governor, Mitch Daniels, to the Indiana Juvenile Justice Advisory Board. Steve graduated from the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy in 1990 after studying at Indiana University, Hanover College, and Mary State University. And we are so glad to welcome you, Steve. We'll learn more about you throughout the show. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing really good, and, and I can't say enough about, um, to go back to what Matt was saying the last couple of weeks, getting to know you and Matt and and my fellow Hoosier, especially you and Matt. Uh, it, it's great when things come full circle, and I'm so honored to be here, and I, I want to congratulate you guys for the success that you've had uh, with your show and, and, and everything you talked about with the uh, the training. That That's amazing, and that's something I always tell uh, a lot of the people that I work with, especially my sheriffs and uh, the younger generation is, you know, never forget your training. It's so important and how you are going to come up with hopefully positive outcomes uh, in public safety. But thank you, guys. Well, I tell you, you're, you're, you're such a humble man there, Steve. And, uh, you know, I know <laughs> I want to kind of pull it out of you. Um, some, some of the amazing things that you've done throughout your life. And uh, just talking about coming full circle, uh, especially for what's, uh, with what I'm talking about, you know, the importance of having a, a solid foundation growing up. And I can't say enough, just what I've been learning about what you and the, uh, the rest of the sheriffs of Indiana have been doing to keep a constant, uh, they're trying to keep the constant solid foundation of what I grew up as and uh, I was turned back to thinking about. And I know that you're also, you're very, uh, you're very involved with the wrestling programs throughout uh, Indiana. Can you talk talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, you know, as I was uh, got married at an early age, uh, my my uh, wonderful and amazing wife Leanne. Uh, this year will be 40 years. Um, it's kind of a milestone, and and I can't tell you enough how how much I've learned from her. And I always tell everybody that uh, you know to go into business of public safety, uh, you know. Our families have sacrificed a lot, uh, just like the military veterans when they go serve. And, you know, once I got through that 20 years and retired into this job, I, I feel like it's my turn to give back to my family and friends. That's what I try and do. But a big part of my development, um, I was a pretty accomplished wrestler in high school. Got started at a young age when <laughs> lived up in Bismarck, North Dakota in the 70s and just fell in love with the sport. And I had the opportunity, uh, I told you, Matt, that my, my dad, he built power lines. And so it's kind of like military families. You go where the work is. 
and there's un- unconditional love because you sometimes you may not see your family, cousins, grandpa, grandmas for four or five years because you're across the country. And you just learn to, uh, you know, do well with the things that are provided for you through, through your family. And, and wrestling was one of those things. And I had four, you know, four boys, and boy, do we have our wrestling matches at home. But, you know, I, I, I came and finished my high school career in uh, Vincent's Lincoln High School, four years there. And just uh, uh, high school was actually in their second year when I came in as a freshman. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, we have to go through instruction of actually going through the steps of a single leg, double leg, a pinning combination. But, you know, it, 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 it was what it was. And me and my brothers were able to be part of that team that, uh, my freshman year, we actually gave the high school their first sectional team win. So it was part of history. And, and so I got to coach a program after I graduated high school and got married and stayed there. And it actually really um, grew a program to where I think it was 13 years in a row we had between one. I was able to coach one between one and four kids in the state tournament. And one of those was my son. And, and that was awesome uh, to have him as heavyweight his senior year in high school when I was my first year as sheriff to coach your son. But it, it, I think the, the ride in coaching for me was watching these young men develop into to men, and now they're, they have families, and, and, and they're developing you know their own uh, families the way they want to. But I love the fact that I had part of that, and, and that's what I think um, is so special about what I have been able to how I molded myself as a person. Uh, I'd love to see results and to see young men on a journey, uh, raising families, as you said, that really they accept those core values of family. So I, I appreciate you know, having time to talk about that. Steve, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing opportunity here to listen to the compassion in your voice for the people that you've spent so much time with in that capacity as a coach, but I don't think you know this, and, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a giggle out of it, um, and to the point that you made about the values that come from being in sports. So when my daughter was just about 14 years old, she wanted to wrestle, and so she went to her, you know, her school uh I guess the coach there and said, Hey, you know, I really want to be on the wrestling team. (laughs) The coach said, we don't have any women on the wrestling team. (laughs) And she said, I don't care. I want to be the first woman on your wrestling team. And she was not a big girl. She was tiny little thing. And so he called me and he said, um, he said, Dr. Greenberg, I'm calling because your daughter wants to be on the wrestling team. And I'm a little bit concerned because she'll be the first woman on the, on the, you know, wrestling team. And, as you know, these, these, these guys, they're pretty rough, and they're going to be groping her. And I laughed my head off, and I said, at 14, she's going to get groped anywhere. She might as well do it with people who are <laughs> yeah. going to do it with love and kindness in an yeah. attempt to actually do something productive. And so yeah. he laughed so hard. And she did. She joined the wrestling team, and uh, it really did form a lot of who she is, her strength, her dignity, her competitiveness, uh, and she she's a you know she's a go getter. So I, I give her a lot of credit. <laughs> no, that, that's that's great because you know I, I'm glad I was so much uh, part of the sport of wrestling because um, you know it, it was interesting 
teaching young kids how to wrestle. Um, and, and this was years ago, and I was able to do this because I, I had to grow a program. And, and, you, and theater programs are so important through the elementary, and you're trying to provide for the kids to give them something to do. And, and I always started off the speech that, you know, you know, you need to be a wrestler because if you're a basketball player, you know, you, walking down the alley, you're not going to be able to pick up basketballs and throw at your opponent, you know, to protect yourself. But wrestling, wrestling will give you that uh, confidence that you need to get through life. And, 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 and there's so many things that have been related to me because, as Matt knows, too, and, and being becoming a SEAL, you know, when you push your body, um, that's when you really get to know your limits. And, and from that, you really start developing yourself, um, your confidence, and, and, you know, maybe a path in life that, that you want to try, that you wouldn't have tried before because you've built up your self-esteem. You know, I, you know, I, I think it's so great just to talk about the foundations on what, what actually builds a, a great, um, you know, leader as far as humility and also, but also the traits of understanding what your limits are. And, uh, you know, a lot of things are going through my head right now. And I mentioned this about my, my high school football coach, which I just, uh, you know, reconnected with after almost about 30 years. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And uh, he sounded younger than I feel, and he just turned 85. And uh, I, I, still, I still remember, and it's went through my head through all my challenges with what I've been through, is that, you know, his quote to me on the football field is like, Matt, you ain't got to lick a talent, but you got the heart of a lion. And what that does when you're going through, you know, cold, wet, miserable, you're going through all these challenges and you're picking up little tidbits on what people are saying, like, you know what, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, whether you're still in the program or not. Um, you know, when you're cold, wet, and miserable, you're covered in sand and stuff like that actually gets you through the hurdles of life and the challenges. And I love that uh, we're talking about the importance of coaching but just how much you're, you know, you give to the next generations growing up on these tidbits of life to understand yourself personally a lot better, what your physical limits are, so you're actually wiser than the next person that's just played video games and, you know, thought about what they're going to do and then, you know, are confronted with these challenges of life. Now, Steve, would you, uh, can you share with us, um, you know, especially with having, uh, a career in law enforcement, and uh, when you p- had planned for the perfect operation or the perfect um, outcome, and when it just basically got flipped on you, and how did you overcome and adapt with the outcome of uh, such a uh, reverse uh, incident? Yeah, you know, there's one thing that um, sticks into my mind, and it really affected me and it affected my family. Um, in the mid-90s, you know, I, I, I got in the job of being a police officer because I wanted to serve the community. And, again, it was about building up your community, building your community values, and connecting people. And, and one of the things I've always been a very um, serious about because police work is so dynamic. And you would know this, Matt, being in the military and how chaotic uh, situations can happen and Next thing you know, you're not dealing with one situation. You're dealing with two and three and four things. So training your mind um, is very important and was important to me, and I still do it today. And and I had an instructor 
at the uh, police academy that I got to know real well. And I was a student of his, and his name was Dr. Paul Weitzel. And he was a, uh, um, at one time, state police superintendent, but he was an amazing defensive tactics instructor. He was a psychologist, too. So understanding brain reaction time, I, I always made sure that I, there was four steps in my training, uh, especially if there was a situation that was going to come about where you, you know, you have to perceive, then you have to analyze the situation, then you have to create a plan, and then you have to initiate the plan. And as you know, you have to do those four steps in a matter of milliseconds. And if you don't train your mind, you know, that that's where officers usually get hurt or maybe even killed because they don't practice that type of mindset uh, because you have to come up with solutions real quick. So the incident happened to me was in March 1997. I'm going to be the PI here, the professional interrupter, because we have to get a break. But I love the perceive, analyze, create, and initiate mentality that you're talking about. And uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, thank you for... uh, Dialing in to Strategies for Turbulent Times, we're here with uh, Steve Luce, one of the great leaders of the entire state of Indiana, Um, and we're talking about his amazing career. We'll be back in a couple, couple seconds here. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you Balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're having an engaging conversation with our guest, Steve Luce, the Executive Director of the Indiana Sheriff's Association. When we went to break, Steve, you were sharing a moment in time when you had planned for a mission, uh, you planned for your day, and uh, it didn't necessarily go the way you had wanted to. Why don't we pick it up right there? Yeah, and, and real quick, um, one of the models I was talking about that I practiced every day as a police officer, and I pretty much do it 15 years after I retired, too, because you never know uh, when you're going to have unplanned events, even as a civilian. But it was a simple brain reaction time, and it involved four steps of you proceed, you analyze, you create a plan, and initiate the plan. And where most, most officers will get hurt or killed it's because they don't initiate the plan. And in, in March of 1997, I was working off-duty security. Um, didn't get in the job for policing to make a ton of money, but I, I worked three jobs through most of my career to support my family. And um, I uh, just practiced, uh, or just, uh, I was a defensive tactics instructor, and uh, the whole day I had eight hours, and I taught about uh, five or six new officers, just uh, basic defensive tactics maneuvers and techniques as part of their curriculum. And then I had to go to work that day, that night, uh, working security uh, in Vincennes, Indiana. It was a uh, um, apartment complex and, you know, kids gather like they do in school and they have their parties. And as I was walking around, I noticed some activity uh, up on one of the apartment decks. And, uh, you know, I went up there and just knocked on the door and, um, um, you know, said, hey, if you look, basically, you know, let's shut it down. If you don't live here, get out of here, you know, uh, so we can tell the kids to move on. And it was a very mixed group of kids. Uh, and I, I went in there and uh, stood outside the door. And, gosh, uh, next thing I knew, I, I, uh, I was literally uh, assaulted uh, from behind uh, on my side and my right side where I come to find out uh, a gentleman, a young man, uh, thought I was dissing his people. And I'm like, okay, that's what I found out later. But the injury was uh, he took an unopened beer can and he just crushed it against the side of my face where I had a, mm-hmm. a, a, a suffered an orbital blowout at that time. But I will tell you, because I had that whole day of training, uh, I, I kind of, when that happened, I was like, what in the heck is going on here? I knew something happened, but I, I was able to compose myself after that blunt force trauma because of the training that I've had for years, and I've trained my mind in these situations to survive. And I actually was able to identify the uh, direction the uh, impact came from, and I, I just reached and grabbed the person right next to me, which was him. And I actually was able to take him down, uh, put handcuffs on him, not knowing if my eye was intact or not, because uh, I was really, I suffered a bad blow. Um, but my training, you know, to go through the whole steps of affecting arrest 
was was um, what kept me alive was just my training models, and and I talk a lot about being extraordinary, like doing extraordinary things, uh, and then, and I. I was a victim, you know, for a couple of years there, and knowing who the suspect was, and he was jailed, uh, I went home that night, and when I got home, my youngest daughter, who's 30 now, she was probably seven or eight, maybe younger, um, had no idea what was wrong with dad, and for literally three days would sit under the table and not look at me, because uh, I suffered a pretty bad blow, but... Um, that's when, you know, um, I realized that, you know, gosh, my family sacrifices so much, but, you know, that things can change so fast in, in this career, and you have to prepare yourself. And, and I feel like my training is what got me through, even though I suffered a bad injury. And I think the, the, the thing that was very life-changing uh, for me was uh, when, when the court date happened, literally two years later, I walked into the courtroom with my wife, um, and I, I was kind of frustrated because here I, I suffered a, uh, a blow that, you know, it did, I didn't suffer injuries. I was lucky, but I wanted to get on with my life. So I, I, as soon as I walked in that courtroom, I, I had a new attitude of how I wanted to do things. And I knew the circuit court judge pretty well, and... When the judge got to me, first of all, when I walked in there, there was a young man, a couple of years older, who was married and had a little baby, uh, probably couldn't have been four or six months old. And I just kind of was thinking about me going back to that time when I was raising my family. And, and, and I asked the judge when they uh, asked if I had anything to say, and I'm like, well, yeah. Um, I asked the judge if I could talk to the young man privately in the chambers and believe it or not, I was granted that opportunity, which is unheard of. And I, I went in there with the young man, and, and he was African-American. And, but I saw him as a young man with a family. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I forgive you for what you did. I said, you probably hit the right policeman that night because there's a lot of police officers would have turned that situation into a deadly force situation, which it, it could have been warranted for that. But I chose to do the right thing, I think, uh, use my training, use my skills. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I forgive you for, for what you did. I don't want you to suffer. You know, your punishment's been waiting two years to see what's going to happen to you. Uh, walked out with the young man, and my wife was holding the baby. The judge was crying. And you talking about... Um, just something that changes people's lives and, and, and no matter what environment you live in. Um, so that story, you know, I always wondered for years and years and the way this country is and how crazy it's gotten with social justice and people wanting to have their way or not mix because they don't understand each other. I feel like I, I have a story there that uh, I, I've always wanted to reach out to the young man and say, hey, we have a story here that can bring our country together and and you know that that was probably the most impactful thing that happened to me and my family in my career because you know i i looked at people differently since that time and it's a choice i had to make and I, I feel like i i did the right thing which again probably molded me to be the person i am today am i perfect no my wife will tell me when i get out of line or 
I don't like your attitude because I'm still human. But I will tell you, having her do that to me and reminding me of the things that I've, I've done and helped people with, uh, that really brings me full circle. But uh, that's probably the one uh, thing that in my life has, has been a defining moment that I tell people, and they're pretty shocked when they hear that story and how what I decided to do. Um, because, you know, in the end, we're all human, and people make mistakes. So that's that's the story no, I'm going to today. Absolutely. And I think that that's uh, not only a powerful message to people, especially given the controversy, uh, you know, all the controversy that's going on right now and decision-making that we face in the public eye with social media. And, um, and you give a talk about this, about being extraordinary and preparing to be extraordinary. Uh, when you, when you give this speech, do you tell this story? I do. I, I put it in the story and, and I talk about my journey as a policeman all the way through my career. And the one thing I learned probably the second day I was a police officer sworn in, I lived in this town of Vincennes and the major who was my uh, superior officer at the time, uh, he said, Hey Steve, I want you to know when you go out there, you know, Vincennes has 20,000 people and you have 20,000 bosses. And I literally every day took that, uh, to the street when I worked because people are watching you in your capacity as a police officer because you're supposed to be that peacekeeper. You're supposed to be the person with the solution. You're supposed to be the counselor. Did I sign up to be a counselor? No, but you know what? That's part of the job. It's part of um, allowing people to support public safety. Um, sometimes there's bad solutions or, or outcomes. Uh, most of the time there's positive ones, but you know, the fact that I, I still believe that today, you know, uh, I literally, I, I, I worked every day like I had 20,000 bosses when I was in my uniform. And then the other thing I want to talk about, I talk about being extraordinary to me was I loved wearing the uniform and it was the class A uniform because I, I think as a profession in a way we have gotten away from that uh, image uh, because we're seeing so many different types of uniforms. I, I, I believe we look the best in a Class A uniform. And something I also did to be extraordinary, I explained this, I was at a D.A.R.E. class uh, in the mid-90s to be an instructor. And they wanted to, you to tell something unique about yourself as a police officer. And, and, and I told the story, and I had people cry about it, but um, every day um, I went to work with my badge, I had a picture of my three kids taped behind the badge next to my heart. And I get a little emotional about it, but that's that's what was important to me. And I wanted to make sure the decisions I made were the right decisions for not only them, but for the community. And I wanted to be able to go home at night to see my family, be with my wife. So I would do things like that that would just hold me hold my feet to the fire because I took an oath. And I think that's important. Uh, at times, I think we get away from that. Uh, and I think it's people like myself who have an ability to talk and coach. I try and bring that back into what I feel is a very noble profession today. Some people may not think it is being a police officer, but I, I do. And I want to make sure that I can give them those tools, those ideas, 
that will allow them to feel good about themselves and the people they serve as a public servant. That's so moving. Uh, yesterday, I actually spent a couple of hours uh, with a colleague of mine, uh, Father Michael Mannion, who is the chaplain for the FBI and law enforcement here in the tri-state area of, of uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, uh, Delaware. And, uh, you know, he, he resonates with everything you just said. And, in fact, he said that they created a newsletter which he helped start in the New Jersey area for law enforcement called the heart behind the badge. And I, I felt that when you said it, and I think people take uh, for granted what it takes every day to be a public servant and to mean it and to care for others and to put yourself in a place where you are at risk while you're also serving and to do it, not just for your family, but for the other families that you're serving. And it's such a powerful story, uh, Steve, and, and you're such a genuine human being. You know, for those of you who, who don't uh, know Steve well, and hopefully you're getting to know him here with us, uh, we just did the Indiana Sheriff's uh, Association winter meeting. Matthew and I had a wonderful opportunity to meet well over 60 uh, of the men and women that serve the state of Indiana in a sh- capacity as sheriff or chief deputy. You know, when you think about all the changes that are going on right now, and you think about your coach role, and you know how passionate Matthew and I are about coaching, uh, tell us a little bit how you see the application of coaching in law enforcement. Well, uh, I think what helps me in, in about probably, again, I've been doing this for 15 years, and being a sheriff at one time for two terms, um, and now working for 92, um, they, all, I, they all have egos. Um, and I mean that in a positive way. Because you kind of, you have to have an ego or confidence if you're going to be an elected person to serve your people. And the office of sheriff, I really believe, is that last connection of trust um, that the people have with public safety because they elect him or her uh, through the process that has been set up to protect their community. Uh, They are not appointed, so they don't work for a person. You know, um, we talk a lot amongst ourselves as elected sheriffs that we work basically for... um, um, three people. <laughs> you know, you work for your spouse, uh, you work for your family, and you work for God, God in the country. And, and that's who you give the oath to. And so I think what I want to do is um, um, in the coaching role that I've kind of started uh, probably six or seven years ago, because it, it was hard to reach all the sheriffs, and you know, I didn't want to be their friend, but I had to find a way that they could uh, gain confidence in what I've been charged to do in my role. Uh, they picked me to run the ISA, and they want it to be the best they can. So, you know, coaching seemed natural to me, and, and I tried it one way for seven years or so, and it was good, but, boy, when I just decided, you know, I got 92 sheriffs. In my eyes, I felt like I had 92 wrestlers, and I'm going to go back into coaching mode. And from that point on, when I decided to do that, it, it's just like our, our association has elevated uh, 
because uh, they bought into the coaching, the mentoring. Uh, me, they call me for advice because uh, I've been there. I, I know what you're thinking. And so I think um, coaching has made our sheriffs, our association, uh, I, I feel like it's one of the top in the nation. And, and I set goals for the sheriffs because through coaching, that's what you do. And, you know, we, we set realistic goals and we set timelines on them uh, because, you know, they're busy, I'm busy. But the coaching, um, I really believe that they appreciate it. It makes me a better person. It makes me see them as human beings also, uh, not just elected people. Uh, you have to have that human connection. So um, I, I love the fact that I have 92 sheriffs, I call my wrestlers, uh, and we can talk all the time about it. It's, it's great stuff. Well, we are going to take one last break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our programs that we see coming up together. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Time. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday, and uh, welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We are having such a a true conversation with uh, one of the great leaders of Indiana, uh, Steve Luce, and some of the tips that he's sharing with us on the power of forgiveness. Um, also, the, his mental model that he's, uh, he's grown to know and be successful with, which is perceive, analyze, create, and initiate, that, that constant, you're, you're trying to see what's, what's going to happen. You're formulating that in your mindset. And then once something does happen, it's, it's like muscle memory that we talk about in the military. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the power of forgiveness. Um, and this just strikes a chord because uh, quickly, after I went through selection um, for a special unit uh, called SEAL Team 6 and made it through, one of the senior leaders um, that I gravitated towards just because the humility piece, it wasn't one of those, hey, I'm a you know, barrel chest uh, freedom fighter, but he, he literally took the time to teach every one of us new guys on the, uh, you know, the training aspect on how to be proficient, how to be um, accurate, how to, uh, you know, be that top two percenter. And his name was Tommy Valentine. Um, and Tommy was such a, you know, just speaking with uh, some of the other guys that I've uh, worked with and, and spent time around the globe with, you know, Tommy still resonates um, with a lot of us. And unfortunately, we lost Tommy in 2008 uh, in a military freefall skydiving incident. Um, but his, uh, his demeanor and his leadership, that's when I knew that one of the top two attributes for being a SEAL Team 6 operator, and I still see it to this day, even with our brothers from the Army at a Tier 1 organization, is one of the top attributes is humility. And I think that uh, just getting to know Steve in a short period of time, that's why he's so successful being a, a leader and uh, amongst, you know, all the other law enforcement experts, uh, not just in Indiana, but in this country as well. And that humility piece is really what I think is, is critical for the next generations to understand. You know, you have to have the ego, you have to have the drive, you have to have the, you know, the, 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 intestinal fortitude to make it through certain things, but that, humil- that humility piece never forget. Now, I know before we went to break, uh, Kat, you were talking about the program that uh, we're going to be doing coming up here, and I'm just going to kick it over to you. Well, it's, you know, one of the things I'm speechless about is the fact that uh, Steve uh, is going to be sharing this program with us and going to be leading the way. And so I just want to make everybody aware of the fact that Steve has been immensely supportive of coach uh, approaches uh, to making all of our law enforcement community and our public safety community more effective. And Steve, just kind of a little bit about your philosophy, and then I'd like to just let everybody know that Anybody who'd like to join us, we're going to be holding a program uh, coming up. Uh, We're going to do one uh, April 15th, and then we're going to be doing one probably in either August or September. We're going to invite the public to come in and uh, and get certified uh, and accredited as professional coaches for law enforcement. Yeah, that's very exciting, uh, the coaching aspect of it, uh, Kat. 
um, as I said earlier, you know, about probably six, seven years ago, I decided to change the style I do things, how I do things. And again, it's, you know, being a person who um, has coached all, all my life, that's where I've had the best results. And I, I've been able to also um, have great coaches. Um, I mean, actually, one of my high, uh, college football coaches at Murray State many, many years ago was Frank Beamer, who eventually went to Virginia Tech. Even though I spent a year there, I, I picked a lot up from him. And, and you know, whatever. Um, and I think we all look back and we have these great coaches that we have mentors that we gravitated towards that molded us. Um, sometimes you didn't understand their angle, how they were doing things, but, you know, um, that's a great thing about, you know, you get to pick and choose how you want to be. But I, I think coaches are also there to tell you when you're doing things right and you're doing things wrong. And, and that's, that's the type of advice that I've learned to coach my sheriffs with. Uh, it's kind of being the guy who can um, help them get through a, a turbulent time, um, help them prepare for turbulent times, uh, because their office is so dynamic, you know, and, and, you know, not only in Indiana, like many states, you know, they're, they're overseeing the jails, and that's a human life in there, uh, some of them. And then they have their employees they have to deal with. So there's an there's a, there's a, uh, incredible balance that you have to find during the job as being a sheriff. And that's what I try and offer up to them. And that's why I think bringing this coaching to the Indiana Sheriff's Association um, I, I really believe, uh, and you had the opportunity, Kat, to be part of our first chief deputies coffee talk that we've ever had. We always do one for the sheriffs during our conferences. But to do that with our chief deputies, and I've had great feedback, um, those are the assistant coaches that the sheriffs are counting on. And I, I really believe this is going to be very valuable to their decision-making, their confidence, and, and how they lead the office because... Uh, the sheriff needs people. Uh, they need to run things off. I can tell you, as a, as a sheriff, when I was elected, I had a lot of good times. But it being an elected position politically, uh, it can get pretty, uh, pretty bad too. Because people sometimes just uh, they just go after you. And uh, I will tell you, I, I was able to hire several of my high school wrestlers uh, to be deputies or jailers to get a start in public safety, and if there was something going on that maybe they read in the news or politically uh, another office holder was just going after me uh, because they didn't like me or my decision or my way I ran the office, um, I would tell you, those kids that I coached, when they were employees for me, they were the first ones that would knock on my door and say, instead of saying, Sheriff, are you okay? They would say, Coach, are you doing okay today? And I can't tell you how much that meant to me because I now see how I was able to impact their life. And that's the great thing about coaching and what we're going to be doing here in Indiana is we're going to be, we're going to be raising the bar and we're going to be helping each other out. So I, I want to thank you guys for being open to coming to Indiana to get this great thing started. So Kat and I aren't together, so we can't do the visual cues. I thought she was. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk more about the, the program there, Kat. Oh no, I was. I was going to say, aren't you excited about this? I, I am sitting here, and my heart is pounding in my chest because, for those of you who are listening, 
uh, Matthew and I have been uh, building a coach program. Uh, I've been involved with it for the last 10 years. Uh, first as a faculty at the College of Executive Coaching uh, with uh, a team of people there that are all professional ICF, International Coach Federation, licensed coaches. And we are so excited uh, that we are going for ICF accreditation to get this program at the National Command and Staff College off the ground with Steve. And uh, Steve's going to be one of our faculty. We also have uh, the National Tactical Officers Association who's going to be spearheading this through their organization. So if anybody is interested uh, in participating, you can uh, contact Steve, certainly through the Indiana Sheriff's Association. You can contact National Tactical Officers Association. Don Kester is the lead there. And we are just, we're chewing at the bit to get started here. So I'm, I'm so thankful for you, Steve. And this is the first time I heard you got great feedback from the session I did with your chief deputies because they were amazing. They were warm, welcoming, and eager to get started. And I'm glad they found value in, uh, in the contribution that we made collectively together to help support Indiana. So thank you for that. Yeah, it worked out great because I had so many of them say they're emailing me or calling me or saying at the conference, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? I said, hey, we got it ready. We got a plan. And, and that's what we put together. Uh, you did a great job of facilitating, and and they were they were um, they were excited. So, and I've had several people follow up about it, and looking forward to um, when we do get dates set to let them know. Well, and you know, it's um, like like Cat was saying. You know, we're just uh, we're super excited to. Uh, to, to do what we can to plant the seeds and help you um, develop this coach approach there, Steve. And, you know, I think that over the last hour here, just talking with you, the, the power of a coach, you know, kind of in my speech, when I talk about a, a you know, when you're a, a leader, doesn't matter, law enforcement, military, uh, executive, uh, banking, doesn't matter. When you're a leader, the, the importance of having a good pit stop crew and having that solid coach, um, which we've developed into the coach approach, that way we can become better leaders and better mentors um, to uh, just the, the, the senior leader mindset. But not only that, um, what also I, I drive home is the importance of getting it often and early. And when I talk about this is that, you know, as, as you're growing up, you know, if you're in the sergeant ranks, um, you know, you got a few years in, go to five to six. To, it's not now you've got 10 years in in a career um, to get this type of training early and often to make the next generations that much stronger and that much uh, better at being a leader. Um, I know in my occupation, just probing my guys as being a senior leader, uh, mentorship was one of the worst things that we have in the teams. Um, across the board, and it's very rare because why? Because we've been running around the globe for 20 years, and uh, often we're, we're put in these positions that we're rely upon, relying on ourselves to be able to execute at a high level, and we don't have the time to be a good mentor or a good coach. And that's why I think that this is going to be uh, relevant for the next generations. Um, of just having a good coach and having a good mentor as a pit stop crew to keep them uh, looking like Lightning McQueen and not turning into Mater hitting the wall at turn four. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, and, and I tell you, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what 
I love about the coaching and what we're going to be doing. And it, it's also allowed me to do this over the years is um, Dan Gable, you know, the, 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 one of the best wrestlers ever. He always talked about oh, yeah. when, when he was coaching his people at Iowa um, about stepping outside your comfort zone. And I think that's what good coaching does. It allows you to step outside your, your comfort zone. It allows you to be innovative. Uh, it builds your confidence. And, and as we talk about, like with uh, Dr. Javidi and, and being Magnus, they deliver, you deliver results with confidence. And people, when they see that and notice that, um, man, they, they want to be part of that. And that's the great thing about building that pig crew you talk about. Um, because, you know, I, I couldn't do what I do unless I had a good pig crew at home or here at work. And, and, and I know here at work, it, there's only five, uh, six of us, but my crew does an amazing job here at the ISA, and they serve the sheriffs. And, and, and that's what it's about, is, is making sure when you take that leap of faith and you're stepping out beside the comfort zone um, that, that you're delivering results. And, and I think that's what well, Steve. You have more than delivered results. We are so grateful for you. And as you like to say, you are truly an extraordinary human being. And we are so blessed to have you with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Thank you for chiming in. Please pass along the link that you get to the show. It's just click and play. There are so many shows there for you now. We are so excited that many of them will be used in the MagnusWorks.com platform. And if you want any more information on the coach certification coming up, go to commandcollege.org or tap Steve, and he will be happy to provide more as we start rolling out our curriculum. We love you. Take good care of yourself, Steve. You've been more than extraordinary. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. Fearless.